0: Hello and welcome back to the Quacked Out Pod for the second day in a row. Reed, is this the? I think this is the quickest we've ever done consecutive episodes. It's one day after another.
1: I uh, yes, I think you got to be right there for sure.
0: Um, we are obviously going to lead with playoff rankings because they came out uh, just just under well, just like an hour and a half ago. <laughs> Not very long ago at all. I was trying to even figure out what what time. Um, and then we'll dive into the Washington Preview, go over some Pac-12 games, make some terrible picks, as always, um, and then touch on a couple national games. But, I mean, shoot, let's dive right in, Reed. Uh, Georgia 1, Alabama 2, Michigan State 3, Oregon 4, Ohio State 5. Quite satisfying, and I think as good as Duck fans could have expected.
1: Yeah, no doubt there. Um... It was a surprise for sure. I don't think that anyone thought we'd be that high. I think I had six kind of circled as where I thought we'd end up, um, behind Cincinnati, behind Oklahoma as well. Uh, And the committee didn't see it that way, uh, which is good for us. Um, And I I see their logic, honestly. I think uh, I was pretty happy with what they did. I think as an Oregon fan, you have to be really happy with how much they respected head-to-head results, not only with us versus Ohio State, but that was a theme throughout the rankings. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the biggest takeaway for Oregon specifically is if you went out, you're pretty much locked to be in. Uh, I think the one scenario where it gets a little bit worrisome is uh, Bama beats Georgia after they both went out. And a Michigan State wins out and Oklahoma wins out. In that scenario, Oregon's out. But I think that is, you know, that is a really, uh, you're really pulling at hairs there in terms of, you know, that's just not very likely that all those teams uh, align yeah. to keep Oregon out.
0: Yeah. And another thing that you led with, um, it's better than we all expected, but that doesn't mean it isn't right or that it isn't deserved. Um mm-hmm. I mean, we both put out our kind of predictions or what we thought was, you know, the rankings would be earlier in the day. Uh, we both had Oregon a little bit lower. But yeah, man, I think the biggest shock in this top 10 has to be Oklahoma at eight, right? I mean, yeah. being below Cincinnati, first of all, and even Michigan. But mm-hmm. uh, again, I think we're, we're being reaffirmed that what the committee values more than anything is quality wins. Um, yeah. And, I mean, in that case, yeah, Oregon does deserve to be four right now. And they do deserve to be right above the team they beat um, in week two. So, really happy with the rankings, not just for the Ducks, but overall. A little bit, like, I I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit salty about the Bama thing, but it's whatever. Like, they, I mean, it's one of those things where we know they're good, right? We don't have to guess about it. So,
1: yeah yeah bama always gets the benefit of the doubt in these situations but uh i'm interested in the fact that on at least from the tv side of things at espn everyone has held really firm on the idea that if bama loses to georgia they're out completely really um yeah that's what they're saying on the rankings i've heard that so many times uh on game day and other things um
0: yeah, not, I, didn't, I didn't get to listen to the show I could only watch it cuz mm-hmm, I was in class but mm-hmm.
1: and given <laughs> that's that's from you know uh Kirk Curb Street and stuff not from mm-hmm. the actual president of the rankings committee yeah. but um <laughs> well i mean
0: let's be honest is there that big of a difference between ESPN <laughs> and, and the committee yeah
1: that's a fair point um and i think i think they're right in general uh, at least in regards to Oregon i think that Ducks fans don't have to worry about Obama taking their spot if they do lose to Georgia, um, and so that's good for us. I think if things got really crazy, you know, if if Oregon goes down, uh, since he goes down, and uh, you know, Oklahoma goes down twice or something, or the Big Ten really cannibalizes, I do think that there is a path potentially for a two-loss SEC team, um, but it would need some real chaos there. Uh, but regardless, that doesn't really affect Oregon. I think we learned that if the Ducks win, they're in. Uh, And especially, I think another kind of interesting thing here uh, is that, you know, I think that the path to a three seed uh, is not completely out of question right Mm -hmm. now. Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's getting ahead of ourselves a bit, but uh, it's at least on the table. And with how good Georgia has looked,
0: Hey. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And, and really how bad everyone else has looked. I mean, Mm -hmm. again, this is getting way ahead of where Oregon is at right now, but, um, you know, if Alabama's out and you avoid Georgia at the one seed, who else is, what other team can you name where you're going to tell me Oregon doesn't have at least a 20 or 30% chance of winning, uh, you know, if not higher, depending how they look. But, um, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I mean, yeah, it's getting I, into I agree, a really yeah. interesting season. Yeah. And, I mean, another thing that I'm curious to see going forward is how the committee reacts to teams not playing up to the level they're expected to. I mean, this is something mm-hmm. we've seen a lot throughout the season already. But, I mean, shoot, if, if Oregon keeps looking bad against teams that, frankly, they should be demolishing – And real quick, even on that point, let me interject myself and say that, like, those expectations were always calibrated um, with regards to the team that beat Ohio State, right? We always Mm -hmm. expected to see that team every week. Uh, And when we didn't, you know, yes, we didn't play as well as we wanted to against Arizona. We still won pretty, like, that game was never seriously in doubt. Um, You know, same thing with Stony Brook, obviously, like, yeah, Cal and Stanford were different stories, but again, you look at a team like Oklahoma and yeah, they're at number eight. They, they had their struggles as well. I mean, I, was, I meant to make this comparison last night. I don't remember if I did or not, but I mean, Oklahoma hasn't played anyone. What's, yeah. what's Oklahoma's biggest win this year? Texas? Yeah, it's got to be. And they should have lost that game, maybe. Mm-hmm. May, should have might be a little bit harsh, but they very easily could have lost that game and Texas looks terrible now. Um, something else that the committee does take into uh, account that I really appreciate is they don't worry about what the team was ranked when you played them. For them it's all about what is the team ranked now Um, you can read more about that on um, The Athletic God, I think it was Chris Vanini maybe posted an article about it I posted it Mm -hmm. on Twitter so if you don't know what I'm talking about go and check Twitter for it Um, it's a really interesting article and he has sources within the committee that talk about how they make the literal rankings um and what they do and don't consider and i think for a lot of people like it might seem like all this stuff is in the weeds a little bit but this stuff does matter because i mean i see people bringing up arguments about like oh well this team was you know number you know clemson was this number two when georgia beat them or whatever like that does not matter in the eyes of the committee yeah um, and that yeah. is something they take into account. So, and there's a ton of different little tidbits like that. Um, it's kind of like how every you know everyone arguing on Twitter has their own like formula as to you know for justifying or not justifying all these different teams. The committee does too, and it's public information. It's right there uh, in Vanini's article. So I would go take a look at that. But overall, yeah, I'm you know I'm very satisfied with this. I'm very excited about this. Um, a couple other things, if we want to look at the rest of these rankings. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma is essentially on par with Wake Forest. I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Wake isn't a team I didn't expect to get a ton of love, actually, from the committee. Notre Dame lurking at 10. I really hate that. Uh, I don't think they have a shot at the playoff, but, I mean, it's... Dude,
1: they, I'm telling you they do. Oh, I think, um, but, I, I mean, it depends on the other chaos, but you talk about Oklahoma at 8 right now. And uh, they have three hard games coming up, four really if you include the conference title game. You know, I mean, with how they've looked, two and two is not only on the table, but it you know it's a very realistic outcome. Not it might not be the most likely one, but it's it's maybe more likely than them going unbeaten through that stretch. Um, So I think you yeah you have to look at there. The Big Ten can still get really wacky. Uh, depending, you know, if Ohio State suffers one loss uh, they could, and still wins the conference, all of a sudden that conference is really looking, uh, you know, at a tough spot for a playoff berth. So we'll have to see. Um, I, I kind of proposed like the breakup of this. Uh, you know, I, I said that the Wake Forest pretender divide was kind of uh, what I, what I theorized before. The rankings came out uh and i think it held true pretty much i had those eight teams above it that ended up above it um and i think that that is definitely a spot in the ranking where if you're wake or lower i don't think that people take you very seriously uh because people obviously don't take wake forest very seriously um and yeah, that's i think
0: a good cut off yeah
1: yeah the eight above that um as we said we went through the the Front ones, then it was uh, Ohio State fifth, uh, Cincinnati sixth, Michigan seventh, and Oklahoma eighth. I think those are the eight teams right now, where I wouldn't feel surprised at all if any of those are in the playoff come uh, come you know yeah. selection yeah. day. Uh, and everyone else, I think I would be pretty surprised to see anyone else in there. Although there, some of them are still possible. I think. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. It's not to say like a Baylor or Oklahoma State doesn't have a shot if they win out and win their conference, um, mm-hmm. but as we were kind of mentioning with Notre Dame, like you need some help at that point. I think yeah. with Notre Dame and Cincy, it's interesting because it's essentially it's it's kind of like a conference standings type thing, right? Where Notre Dame needs Cincinnati to drop two games now because. I mean, you can't rank one loss Notre Dame over one loss Cincy into the playoff, right? That's
1: an interesting point there, actually. Yeah, and I hadn't thought about that, but I do think you're right there, especially with how much respect they've shown for head-to-head. And the fact that Notre Dame's schedule this year is down compared to some of the past years they've had, for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It's going to be really interesting. Um, Another couple things... I mean, overall, I think it's just... It might be worth just saying this top 25 out loud just to remind people. Um, just because I want to talk about where some of the, um, the non-playoff contending teams land. Uh, like the yeah. Mississippi schools, for instance. I'll, so, I'll say
1: everything from 14 back was pretty weird in my mind. I mean, some yeah. of them make sense, obviously. But like, I, I literally predicted the top 15 only in my rankings because that's what I felt like I had a grasp on. Uh, and I felt pretty good about how it compared to what I did. Obviously I didn't see Oklahoma, but everything past 15 or I guess 16 in this case, old miss, uh, was pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously top five, you already know, uh, six Cincinnati, seven Michigan right above Oklahoma. That's something to keep an eye on as well. You know, Michigan, not out of this race, uh, pretty much the only team we haven't mentioned yet from this top 10, um, the committee obviously values, even though they, you know, played Michigan, they, they value that they played Michigan State tight and um, mm-hmm. had a chance at winning that game. That's good to see, I guess. Uh, number eight, Oklahoma. Nine, Wake. Ten, Notre Dame. Eleven, Oklahoma State. Twelve, Baylor. Thirteen, Auburn. Fourteen, A&M. Fifteen, BYU. Sixteen, Seventeen. Really weird. Mississippi State. Yeah, right. Th- that block of five right there with the four SEC schools I, and BYU is... You know- <laughs> Here's one thing
1: i (laughs) i just i just realized and want to mention is, um, you know BYU at 15 actually probably says a bit about what they think of the Pac-12 because that's what that's Mm -hmm. where BYU's big wins come against is the Pac-12. So it shows that they probably must have some respect for Utah and Arizona State, even though those aren't top 25 teams uh, that. You know, they're probably not that far out of that range uh, based on how much they like BYU.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Alabama's one loss is to number 14. Okay, they're going to play number 13 later this year. They're also, they've beaten number 16 and 17 in these rankings. I don't think Mm -hmm. they play Kentucky. Let me pull up the schedule real quick. I don't think so. No, and then Arkansas didn't get a ranking. So I thought, I mean, They've had an outside shout for some people uh, mm-hmm. in recent weeks, but I guess those three straight losses they've had have kind of uh, mitigated that, or four straight losses. So, no, wait, I'm looking at the wrong S- thing.
1: Similar story with Penn State too. I mean, you mentioned last podcast that they hadn't won since the start of October, and they're not in this ranking even after giving Ohio State a very close game on Saturday that we talked about in that podcast too.
0: Yeah, Penn State might end up looking uh, by the end of this year they might be looking pretty Stanfordy. Not not total level of terribleness as Stanford, but um, I don't who knows if something I mean, I wouldn't predict them to win against Michigan or Michigan State and those are both on their on Penn State's schedule still. As a 5 and 3 yeah. team, I mean, they're staring down the barrel of 7 and 5 right now. Uh, and who knows, Maryland and Rutgers have both looked competent at times earlier this season, so maybe they could pull an upset yeah, there. But...
1: As, as competent as Illinois.
0: <laughs> exactly, and that, that's a low bar. <laughs> um, anything else stand out from you? I, I guess I can go through the rest of the rankings real quick. Um, I left off at 18 yeah. Kentucky. Again, it's, it's interesting that we have this cluster of SEC schools, and then right after that you have NC State at 19, but then Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. Three teams mm-hmm. all from the Big Ten East, or West, mm-hmm. sorry, um, all clustered right there. That's kind of interesting. It's a pretty clear like tier system going on with that discussion. And then uh, rounded out with uh, Fresno and San Diego State, 23-24, and then Pitt getting some love at 25 despite um, their loss to Clemson this weekend. Um, yeah.
1: 23 Fresno is obviously also worth uh, making note of. That's a win for Oregon. Uh, And I haven't done the numbers on it, but I think that Oregon is one of only a few teams that's going to have multiple uh, ranked wins in here with Ohio State and Fresno State. Uh, And you see the respect that they showed towards the Pac-12 with BYU. I think that overall Oregon's strength of schedule is going to be looked at You know, uh, decently, and that's mostly because they had a good non conference performance uh, to kind of account for the fact that the Pac 12s had a down year.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I also find it interesting that these two teams just played each other Fresno and San Diego State, and Fresno Mm -hmm. won that game pretty handily, actually. Uh, But they could meet again in the Mountain West Championship game at the end of the season Mm -hmm. because they're in different Mm -hmm. divisions. Anything else notable that you can pull out of these?
1: I think that's it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I'll say kind of as our as our transition I put this tweet out on Twitter as well but I think uh, it's fun to talk about this stuff as fans and people who follow the program obviously but you know for Oregon, I think that this has got to be uh, you know a motivation for them to just say, we have we know we have a spot if we handle our business you know that loss at Stanford was annoying but ultimately we still have everything in front of us the committee respects what we've done uh, and then kind of rededicate yourself to the process that you've stuck to to get here uh, and just take it game by game focus on the task in front of you and You know, realize you have an opportunity if you really stay focused and don't get too worried about all the noise that's going to kind of build up. And I think it's nice that Chris Ball's been through this same thing before in 2019 pretty much. Um, I think that hopefully he learned something from that a little bit uh, and some of the older guys like Kajani Johnson can pass on lessons to the team and say, hey, I've been here before. I felt like the playoff was this close before. And we let it slip away, uh, you know, and, and pass yeah, on some um, wisdom there.
0: Varone had a great quote about that today, basically saying exactly what you're saying right now. Like, we're not worried about our ranking. Like, we're, we're still worried about, oh, God, what was the quote? It was, uh, we're building a mansion and we're still just laying bricks. So I love that. <laughs> um, Got to get back to work. Um, love Varone. Yeah, he's, he's awesome, man. Uh, The General. Also, he dropped some merch recently, actually, with uh, Box and Autzen, I believe, which is a pretty sure it's a student-founded, student-run clothing company. So go check that stuff Mm -hmm. out. Um, They got some pretty cool stuff going on. It's all like The General is kind of the brand he's creating for himself. So that's pretty cool. Um, All right, sweet. You want to dig into the Huskies?
1: Yeah, dig into Hate Week. Let's do
0: it. Let's do it, baby. Um, we went over the Jimmy Lake quote last night. We have a new quote this morning from Michael Schill, Oregon president. If you're not aware, um, basically saying, Fantastic. "Throwing throwing a little bit of shade at Jimmy Lake's way. Um, basically, you know, saying all the stuff you're supposed to say, and then slipping in there the uh, oh, I also have." A lot of respect for their former football coach, Chris Peterson. Um, (laughs) Purposefully excluding one uh, Jimmy Lake there. So I thought that was awesome. Uh, The Duck has personified uh, Harry the Husky on Twitter. And that's going to create some memes. Um, So yeah, it's full on. Uh, And then obviously there's a lot of other much smaller battles going on on Twitter as well. Between just random people. So Um, yeah, man it's It's all in i I love this. uh I'm very glad that this has evolved into the rivalry it has to be honest, like it's tough to say it this year because the beavers are actually good, but I mean, the Civil War was kind of getting boring for a while there, um, and this one was as well because both teams are rarely good at the same time, so mm-hmm. uh, and that's not the case this year, of course, but um looking at Washington's roster what are some of the things that stand out to you? And, I mean, the first thing for me is the passing defense, obviously. But uh, why are they so good at at defending the pass? Who are their best guys?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think that, you know, defending the pass is what stands out uh, without question. Trent McDuffie is their cornerback. Apparently, I I hear he's, like, worlds better than McHale Wright. (laughs) Like, they're not even comparable at all. Trent McDuffie's like Darrell Rivas 2.0, um, if you're on Husky Twitter. Uh, no, but but he's a good player, as is Kyler Gordon. Um, Brendan Radley-Hiles is a transfer from Oklahoma that's been pretty good for them. Uh, really, you know, the secondary is, without a doubt, the strong suit of of this Washington team, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, they lead the Pac-12 in EPA per pass. They actually have a negative EPA per pass on defense. Uh, again, EPA estimated points added or expected points added per play. Um, it's pretty much the the norm for advanced stats at this point in terms of who's doing well and who's not on each play. By now, we have a big enough sample size where I feel comfortable citing these. If you listen to us often, we've been citing them for a while. Uh Washington's 4-4, four and four, but they do have the 10th ranked uh, EPA per pass defense in the nation, actually. So that's really interesting. Unfortunately for the Huskies, there's another stat right next to that on my chart that stands out, Reed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can take a guess as to what that is? Is
1: that the uh, rush defense?
0: That would be the rush defense, yes. Uh, do you want to <laughs> guess what, what they rank in the nation in EPA per rush on defense?
1: Oh geez, I think it was like I think it was like 108 or something before the Stanford game. What is it?
0: 115 in the country. Oh, yeah. The and, only... and could
1: you could you remind me how many teams there are in the country?
0: Uh, that would be 130 in this. In this <laughs> yes, uh, there is one team worse in the Pac-12 uh, at rush defense than them, and that would be Stanford. So. Mm. Um, I don't know, food for thought there, I guess, but yeah, Washington lost starting linebacker. I can't say his name. Do you want to take a stab at it?
1: Eddie Ulufosio. Him? Him? Yeah,
0: yeah, him. Um, He's pretty good, from what I understand. He's not the anchor of their defense, but he's a very important piece of it. Um, So we'll see. Yeah, I hear he's better
1: than Noah Sewell for sure. Apparently he's he's <laughs> a lot like, better than No Soul.
0: <laughs> <laughs> satirical, of course. Uh, Listeners don't read. Reed's on the right side of this equation. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> they finally have CTF, who I, he's the projected zeroth pick in the draft. Right, he's going one ahead of Kayvon, I think. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, they invented of, a they, new they draft spot because him, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because he'll be so good uh, that you just you can't you know some team is just gonna just gonna sign him before the draft. He I don't know how that's possible. Yeah. You know?
1: um, of course, no one's heard of him outside of Seattle, but but somehow. <laughs> um, Would you
0: mind pronouncing his full name for us, Reed? Since you did so well on the last.
1: Uh, Zion, Zion. Tup- Tupiola Fetui. Ugh.
0: That's a good. That's a good job. You know, good effort. We're not making fun of these people's names, by the way. I just want to see how good this can get or how bad this can get for us. Well, um, yeah, and for
1: people who don't know who ZTF is, at least give them a good faith effort at the full name. Um,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Any, yeah. Uh, anyway, so in all seriousness, good defensive backs, good secondary for Washington. Bad run defense. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they just don't really the, – the linebacker depth is really thin. Uh, and so that was a tough injury hit there to begin with. Um, I think that, you know, it's it's going to have to be about pounding the rock for Oregon. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. I, I mean, it's a bit worrisome that, you know, you look at the only team in the Pac-12 that is worth the, worse than Washington defending the run – is Stanford, and obviously Oregon wasn't able to win that game. So it it feels similar to the Stanford game to me in some ways in that, um, one, the spread is six and a half points around a touchdown, yep. just like it was for Stanford. And that was always kind of a stinky line versus Stanford and feels the same way now. Um and the fact that they have a bad run defense, but Oregon wasn't able to exploit that against Stanford is worrisome. Uh, but at the same time, uh, that's that's kind of like the 3,000-foot national media perspective of what happened in the Stanford game. For us, mm-hmm. who dug into it a bit more, we kind of realized that there was a game in there when the Ducks woke up after the first quarter and a half where they dominated for a really good stretch. And then the refs kind of pulled the carpet out from under them at the end. Uh, KT gets ejected. The clock hits zero and we're up seven. The ref throws a really questionable flag Verdell goes out of the game. We can't run the ball in overtime. You know,
0: everything that could go wrong went wrong.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think that, uh, I think it tells us this is a losable game if things do go wrong again, but it also tells us Oregon is favored for a reason here, I think.
0: We are favored for a reason, and there's a reason. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but from what I've seen, a lot of the public is is backing Oregon on this one. Um, I think, obviously, a a huge factor that plays into that spread as well is the home field advantage. Um, I mean, this is their Super Bowl this year. Their fans know it. Their players know it. Their head coach knows it. Um, so they'll be as geared up as they can for this one. But um, I think Mario will too. And again, we talked something we talked about yesterday was it kind of appeared that Mario was resting a couple guys against Colorado. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the game was in hand pretty much as soon as it started. Uh, we didn't need guys like Brandon Dorless to take a lot of snaps, you know. Um, I'm pretty positive that he'll want to have Brandon Dorless in there. Um and then mm-hmm. it'll make a difference because this Huskies team, we just talked about their defense a little bit. Uh, their offense is bad. Bad, bad, bad. Um, yeah,
1: exactly. The EPA, yeah. the
0: EPA numbers tell us that the only two worse teams than them offensively in this conference, I i, I don't even have to say it. You can guess which two they are. Um, they're both in the Pac-12 South. Uh, so, yeah. You would expect a team that had so much trouble throwing the ball this season and that runs the John Donovan offense to be, you know, decent at running the ball, right? Like, that's a reasonable thing to expect. No, apparently not. They are dead the last. Thing. Dead last <laughs> in, in the Pac-12 in EPA per rush. Um, for a national ranking, that is 110th in the country. They have a negative EPA per rush, meaning... Every time they rush the ball, it's a very thin margin, but still, every time they rush the ball, um, they have a better chance of getting closer to a loss than a victory, uh, or getting closer to, mm-hmm. it's hurting them more than it's helping them, essentially. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty bad for a team that has a head coach who wears a certain hat in press conferences uh, about running the damn ball. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. I think this is one of those games, and this is probably going to be a theme through a lot of the, our, the rest of our previews. Look, man, Oregon recruits the way it does for a reason, and when you get into these nasty games as November drags on and you start to get miles on your legs and everything, you want to just lean on the line of scrimmage and run the ball and get out of there. Yeah. Um, and I think this is an opportunity to do that, uh, both on offense uh, and then on defense. When you're defending this group, um, you know, I mean, Brandon Dorless, Christian Williams, Keon Ware, Hudson, Popo, those guys rested up for a reason, and now it's time to shut down the running attack. And then you start to, you know, get Cave on and Swinson in there, and. Try to wreck some havoc with their passing attack and force Dylan Morris to make a make a mistake here.
0: Yeah, and that's something that hasn't been super difficult this year for teams. Um, <laughs> I, I don't have his stats in front of me, but I can tell you it's not fantastic, um, just mm-hmm. from what I've seen of him. Uh, there was a lot, similar to the Thompson situation, like a lot of Washington fans were calling for uh, their youngster, Sam Hewitt to be put in um, over him. So I thought that was pretty interesting. He did throw that one touchdown pass last game against Stanford to win it. But um, <laughs> despite the announcers telling us that Washington had found their identity, I don't think any Washington fan will tell you that uh, they had found their identity after that. So that's yeah. something- to keep an eye on, um, we know Oregon's had their struggles in the secondary. We know that a lot of safeties are currently injured for Oregon, and that they'll have to heal up during the week if they want to play. But mm-hmm. even so, man, I mean, this Washington team is bad. They are bad on offense. Uh, through defense, yeah. they're good. Like I'll, I'll give them that. On defense, they are decent, but uh, especially
1: the passing defense. But yeah, again, yeah. this this plays into. You know, I think Oregon had a good offensive performance last game and they were able to pass effectively. Um, But, you know, in general, this offense's strength we've thought was the run game. Uh, And so I just hope that we don't get too stubborn trying to pass the ball uh, because if they're going to give us, you know, five-plus yards of carry, we got to just push them around and take it. Um, Hopefully Forsyth is back to kind of lead that run game. I think that you get a heavy dose of Travis Die. Also, potentially see some more Cardwell, um, mm-hmm. maybe even some Benson in this game. I thought it was it was really weird to me, uh, looking at the at the organizational chart that's released this week. Benson is listed second behind Die, obviously with mm-hmm. Oars attached. But that's just super strange. We know that those Oars are are ordered for a reason because they change from week to week. Um, I don't yeah. think that Chriswell puts that much thought into it ultimately, but it's a little interesting. It tells me at least that I think that even though we haven't seen Benson yet with those three, it is a bit situational. And maybe in a game where you're really pounding the run, you know, Benson is one of the more physical backs that maybe takes some of the reps that we saw a seven McGee get. Uh, because he was good at a, as a pass catching back uh, versus Colorado and mm-hmm. and Benson instead gets that as the third back um, but whatever it is I think Oregon has enough backs to run through and run the ball heavy um, and you know it feels like they are gonna be able to do that uh, enough if they want to and even you know this the secondary for Washington is is legitimately really good but they're not, you know, it's not like every, every
0: secondary is pa- vulnerable.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like every ball that's been thrown this year has been an interception. You can pass the ball. Uh, and they probably don't have anyone who, I, I mean, uh, you know, Devin Williams is a good receiver. Um, they have some people who can compete with them, but I think he's going to probably get some yards himself. Um, another storyline. Go ahead. Keep going. Well. I was just going to mention as well, Johnny Johnson the third being out for the first half after a targeting penalty will be interesting for that receiving core um, as well.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to ask you, because of that Johnny Johnson absence, who do you think starts at the other receiver spot? I mean, we assume Williams gets one of them. It's interesting because on the depth chart, he and Franklin are listed as the or pair at X, and -hmm. then Johnson and Hudson are at Y. So maybe Hudson gets the start. Um, maybe we see I, a little more Dante Thornton than usual, not as a starter, but just being out mm-hmm, there, even mm-hmm. though we've seen Pittman go out wide plenty of times. Like, we you know, he yeah. can play out there too. So personally, I would love to see Williams and Franklin just because they're the two biggest guys. Um, yeah. And we know both of them are freak athletes and can go up and catch the ball. And we need them to, I'd, I'd love, love this. I'd ahead. love
1: to see Thornton get some reps in there too. As you said, I think, yeah, why, yeah. why not? He's a, he's as talented as anyone too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: How nice would it be to just rub our talent in their faces? Um, <laughs> we don't need to. Uh, another thing, tight end is going to be an X factor in this game. We mentioned they're very thin mm-hmm. at linebacker. Um, I'm not as deep into their program. Like, I can't tell you if they're super good at covering um, tight ends with their linebackers uh, or with their nickels or whatever. But, um, I mean, we've seen these tight ends be important players for Oregon this season especially the freshmen, mm-hmm. again, Matavajo um, and Ferguson, so we'll see if how many balls get thrown their way. Um, offensive line, I feel good about. Again, this UW defense is good, but I'm not super scared of their front seven as much as I am throwing it deep on their corners. So, yeah. If we can establish the line of scrimmage in this game, I think that pretty much signals that it's over. Um, again, I, I mentioned this yesterday, and I've mentioned this so many times on the pod, but in 2019, when we found ourselves in adversity in Seattle, what did we do? We went back to the ground and we pounded it down their throats, and it worked. We got ourselves back into the game. We calmed everybody down, um, and they couldn't stop us. So, if we can yeah. do that with Cyrus, I feel confident that we can do that with Byron Cardwell or Trey Benson or especially Travis Dye. So, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think, um, Man, uh, you're, you're giving me flashbacks to that 2019 game, which is an all-timer, really. Um,
0: it really is, yeah.
1: Yeah, that that game was so fun. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest. That was one of the few times that I've had. I mean, I still the hatred was still very present, but I had some respect for how Washington came out to start that game, and their fans were into it, and they were – coming for blood against Oregon and uh they kind of I mean for a second there it felt like they had us knocked out on the mat kind of laying down and we you know shook it up Mm -hmm. got up and then fought back and won that game but that was uh we were we were just you know we were against the ropes for a second there for sure um I thought you were going to go with when you mentioned tight ends uh on the Washington side, because K. Dalon for them is is probably i mean outside of the secondary, I think he's their best player. Uh, he might be their best player all around, really um he's a legit tight end uh and I think that's the biggest potential matchup problem on offense. They have some solid wide receivers uh the quarterback but no one no one elite, no one that really scares me, uh, nor do their running backs, nor does their quarterback. Um, and yeah, we talked about their O-line a little bit. I mean, the name that everyone talked about preseason was Jackson Kirkland. Again, this is is an instance where if you were on Husky Twitter, you'd think he was like better than Panay Sewell. Uh, he's been pretty mediocre. Uh, and I would love nothing more than to see Kayvon torment him, um, consistently. Um,
0: I have something that I would rather see. What? Braden Swinson tormenting him.
1: <laughs> That'd be pretty fun, too. Yeah, yeah,
0: let Kayvon have the other side.
1: <laughs> even have even have Noah Sewell have a good game after all the Husky fans said he was a defensive tackle for the entire recruitment.
0: Yeah, that was interesting. I don't, I don't really know what they were thinking there. Um, but yeah, man. Overall, this is a team we should be beating handily. I'm sorry. Like, I... I get the six-and-a-half-point spread, but I think they're putting a little bit too much stock into what Washington thinks they have um, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and not enough into what Oregon's legitimately done the past two weeks outside of two throws from Anthony Brown. Two throws in two games have been terrible. Everything else he's done has been good enough to be the number four team in the country. Um, I mentioned public money earlier on that spread. Do you want to guess what it is?
1: Uh, you know, 75% Oregon? 97% Oregon.
0: <laughs> on that on the spread, not on the
1: uh,
0: Yeah, on the spread.
1: Wow. Yeah. Hmm. That's just weird. That is just weird. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, they're just being stubborn on their evaluation there. I I was looking at FPI, which obviously is is flawed at best, but uh, they have Washington above Oregon State, pretty interesting, and maybe that's a window into the fact that that they respect uh, Washington as well. But those, those services have Oregon at, like, you know, late teens to 20. Uh, yeah, they always do. And I, you know, I straight up just think that's wrong. Um,
0: sounds to look- me like they're just disrespecting Cal all around.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've talked about, you know, Oregon had some bad performances here and there, but I've seen a lot of moments from Oregon that have looked like a a bona fide top 10, even top five team. Um, And yeah, I mean, you know, for me, the recipe is just you you go in there, you can't sleepwalk for the first quarter and a half like you did in Seattle or you did against Stanford. Uh, You can't do that in Seattle this time. Um, and in general, you know, Washington fans all know the only way that they're going to win this game. If it is, if it's ugly and it just turns into a mud fight, uh, exactly. they, they don't have Jacob Eason like they did in 2019, who could actually hit a shot over the top. Um, Dylan Morris is just not that guy. Uh, and Heward doesn't seem like he's coming in for them either. Um, so yeah, you know, I was doing a little perusing over on the Husky boards just seeing what they thought. Um, of course, over on Dogman, they have their prediction thread and and it's about it's about 20 posts deep with people saying the same thing, you know, basically not providing any reasoning but just saying, "Oh, 2724 <laughs> Washington, 24, you know, 23 Washington," like they're just they're I think that they're just praying for an ugly game where, by the grace of God, they are able to win a game played in the low 20s, probably. That's the recipe for them, because I don't think they think their offense can get 30. Uh yeah. And so, on the good side, Oregon's offense has done well past two weeks against not great defenses, but fine defenses, not horrible defenses. Uh, UCLA secondary, obviously, Much worse than you, Dubs. But
0: I mean, Colorado's defense is is, was good coming in. Yeah,
1: yeah. If this offense executes, they can put it away. Uh, You know, and and I think you're just looking at, hey, can we get four good drives here, Uh, Mm -hmm. four good touchdown drives, and at that point, we're gonna be in a pretty good spot. And the defense too, I I feel good that they're gonna come out and play with some more heart. Uh, and an urgency than they did against Colorado, like we said in that in that recap episode as well.
0: Yeah, um, I would like to run down UW's schedule real quick so far, just to refresh people. Um, yes, they did lose to Montana in Week One. In case you somehow weren't aware of that, uh, thirteen to seven, they lost at home at Michigan. They got destroyed, thirty-one to ten. It was not that close. I promise you, I watched the whole thing. Um, yeah. Then they came home and beat Arkansas State, who, you know, at the time, oh, maybe this is a bounce-back win. No, Arkansas State is not good. Um, They were Mm -hmm. expected to be much better than they were, even as a group of five team. Uh, Mm -hmm. They then beat Cal in overtime, um, Mm 31-24. And this marks the only game of the year that they have scored more than 27 points on... Sorry, more than 24... No, this is the first time they've scored more than... 24 points on another power five team. Wow. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, and they only did it because it went to overtime.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They've scored a max of 24 points in regulation on any power five team.
0: Yeah. including that next week, they lost to OSU by three, 27, 24 mm -hmm. UCLA. They lost by a touchdown, 24, 17. They lost on, they almost lost on Friday, uh, at Arizona a couple weeks back. That was a game we talked about a little bit uh, that I watched, and I will never forgive myself for watching it because I'm going to be honest, they they could have lost that game very easily. Uh, 21-16 was the final there when they were 18-point favorites, I believe. And then last week, obviously, they eked by Stanford mm-hmm. at the end. So, Yeah.
1: I think if you look at that, I mean, there is a trend that, you know, while we critique them for... Not po- scoring that many points. Also, they've done a good job of held of holding opposing offenses uh, under you know twenty or thirty. Um, mm-hmm. Michigan at thirty-one to ten is the one team that kind of broke loose on them. But Cal twenty-four, Oregon State twenty-seven, UCLA twenty-four. Um, so yeah, you know, I I think that. Uh, for me, my mentality in this game isn't the, isn't you know like Colorado where it's hey let's win by twenty even though that would be great obviously, it is a survive and and advance type of thing. Uh, this game I think because it has a it has a good chance to be low scoring, can be played with a low margin of error where one fumble that turns into a scoop and score or a blocked punt or whatever it is can. Mm-hmm. Sh- shift the momentum either way. Uh, I do think that uh, Oregon is still, you know, a good bit better than them. Uh, and honestly, I mean, we've seen, you know, go back to go back to Georgia Clemson week one, if you want. Uh, not all spreads are created the same. You know, a seven-point spread in Oklahoma, Texas means a different thing when it's being played in the 50s than a seven-point spread in a game that's going to be played You know, 24 to 17 or something. Um, Mm -hmm. And as it was in it, you know, why I mentioned Georgia Clemson was the final score on that game was real close. But uh, because it was played so low scoring, Georgia still dominated and it stayed within a, you know, close margin.
0: Yeah. I mean, by the end, it was still, like you said, a one score game and it didn't feel like a close game at all. Yeah. No faith that Clemson could break through on that defense something yeah. interesting we've been talking about the spread a lot the total on this game is 51 and a half. that implies what a uh, like a 28 to or no that implies like a like a 30 to 22 win for Oregon some somewhere around there I guess yeah. it' be 29 22 something like that yeah um, 29 22 yeah so yeah I mean I think that's a fair threshold to set is like the 30 point mark for the ducks. If we can reach that, I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and our defense holds its own, like we should be fine. Another thing, though, is I would not be surprised at all if this game goes into halftime at like UW 10, Oregon 3 or something. Uh, something that just feels oh, way more painful than it should be. I will not be worried one bit if we're down like <laughs> 17 to 7 or something like we were at Stanford. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just not super worried about, uh, the mentality of this team. And that's not something I've always been able to say, uh, even under Cristobal, but yeah, man, i I,
1: I definitely do feel strong about us coming out and fighting no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to, we're not going to give up. So I, I like what you said there. I think, yeah, if we're down, we're going to come out of the locker room strong either way and, and it'll be, make it tight. Um. But I I sure hope that isn't what my Saturday is like.
0: <laughs> no, me neither. But um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Who knows? Uh, all right, man. You got anything we uh, we should clean up about this game? No,
1: I think we I think we pretty much did it. It was kind of a roundabout preview. We just kind of went all over the place, but um, hopefully that helped provide some insight for everyone listening.
0: Yep. All right. Let's go through this this Pac twelve slate. Um, it's an interesting one this week. It might be the it might be a s- entire sickos week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, there's there's just a lot of games that I feel like I should know the answer to already, but I just know I'm gonna get some of these wrong, and I cannot bring myself to mm-hmm. uh, bet favorites on all these because of what happened last week when I basically did that. Um, let's start with what might be the best game. Uh, maybe maybe USC-Arizona State's the best game, but Utah at Stanford is definitely an interesting one. On a Friday um, night. Exactly, Friday night, 7.30 p.m. on FS1. Uh, go check that one out. <sighs> Stanford, they are the ultimate... I mean, we say this about every single Pac-12 team, but Stanford embodies it more than any other one. We don't know what the fuck to think about this team, man. Uh, they're totally different week to week. I mean, they're wildly inconsistent. They have games where they beat Oregon, and then they have games where they cannot score to save their lives against Washington. Um, Mm -hmm. What What are you thinking in this game, man?
1: Oh man, Um, I think I am going to. uh, I'm gonna stick with Utah, I guess. I don't really like Utah this year. I don't seven like and their fans. Half, boy, the spread, yeah, seven and a half. I mm-hmm. wish I was I wish I had the seven points with me, but I'll take Utah, even if it's late, uh just to pull away by ten or something. Yeah.
0: <sighs> God. I'm I'm gonna take Stanford. This just feels like I don't know. It's it's yeah, early it does. on gut. I'm taking Stanford.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't hate it.
0: Cal at Arizona. This is a sickos game. Uh, noon kickoff on Pac-12 Network. Noon. Mm-hmm. These are all Pacific, by the way, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. In Tucson, Bears are favored by 11 and a half. Where, where, what are you feeling here? Yeah,
1: I'm going Cal, man. I think that this is slowly turning into a Cal secondary podcast. <laughs> um,
0: I don't we, hate Cal.
1: Yeah. We loved them when they were one in five, and they've picked up steam since. We've been on the bandwagon from day one. Uh, well, not from day one, from about week six, I guess. <laughs> um, but hey, I think I think Cal's gonna getting pretty good. I'm I'm on the Cal to bowl eligibility train for sure.
0: Oregon State at oh I I am as well by the way Cal minus eleven and a half I'll take that. Oregon State at Colorado, 4 p.m. Pac-12 Network, live from Folsom Field in Boulder. Uh, Beavers are 10.5-point road favorites after losing to Cal the week before on the road. Mm-hmm. This this is this might get a little bit gross. Um, this one might get lost in the shuffle a little bit with Oregon playing at pretty much the same time. I would not be surprised to see Cal pull out this victory or at least a cover here.
1: Colorado, you mean? Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's every
0: week, man. It's every week. Even last episode, in the title, I put Colorado, parentheses, not Cal, so that I didn't do it, and then I just did it again. Um, yeah, man, based on pure feel, again, I'm going Colorado.
1: I'm going with the Beeves. Uh Gotta go with the Biebs. I think uh, I don't want them to lose to Colorado. If they lose, if they lose to Stanford or something, uh, or or Arizona State, that's okay, and we we get to uh, have the north North locked up. But um, I don't want them to lose to Colorado. Uh,
0: worth mentioning if they lose to Colorado, but still win out doesn't really mean anything for the north assuming we take care of business until we meet them right it's still like a like a playoff for the north
1: no no if they lose one more uh oh, we because right, lose cause they, yeah because they, they lost to cal last weekend yeah well
0: i forgot they lost a wazoo way yeah. earlier yeah um okay mm-hmm. so in that sense oh i don't know that kind of flips my narrative a little bit <laughs> I, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip it. I'm gonna go with the Beavers instead. I, the feels are, not strong enough on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, final game we'll be picking. Obviously, Oregon, Washington, 4:30, ABC. Um, who knows if that's a good thing or not? Uh, USC at Arizona State is the late game, 7:30, kick on ESPN. This one is coming from Tempe where Arizona State got demolished by Washington State last week at home. Um, Mm -hmm. USC without Drake London, of course. They ran a two-quarterback system last week against Arizona. Where do you see this one heading?
1: Look, just like I said about our Cal Cal fandom recently, we have been, we currently are, and we will continue to be USC haters on this podcast. Fade USC. USC is fraudulent. Uh, I'm going with Arizona State minus eight and a half.
0: Oh, I I just had it at eight, but oh eight, uh, sure. Yeah,
1: there you go. I'll take the half point.
0: Yeah, me too. Arizona State's going to win this game. Um, Despite what the momentum of both these teams—well, actually, yeah, yeah. Despite what the momentum of both these teams from last week tells you, um, I don't, I don't think USC is winning this game. Um, it's funny. I have this labeled on my on my schedule chart as like an important game in the Pac twelve South, like maybe a maybe a division decider. Uh, we mm-hmm. definitely talked about it as one at the beginning of the year, but it's been a different story for the Trojans this season.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, that one aged poorly, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, as did our picks, man. I mean, I finally uh, I, I went below five hundred a couple weeks ago, I believe, but now I'm all the way down to nine and eighteen. So I've, I've lapped myself. With we got to look
1: back at our win total, total picks at the end of this year, too.
0: Yeah, I have those hidden in my chart. I'm afraid to open them to see what they say. <laughs> um, but, yeah. All right, man. Um, Reads at 10 and 17, by the way, so you're not doing much better. But at least you have double-digit wins in these picks. Oh, boy, am I, I'm ahead of you now? Yeah. <laughs> We were, we were dead even last week, and then you got the oh, no one way. win over me this week when I went 0-5. Um, but, yeah.
1: You always got to have the reverse parlay in there. Sprinkle that <laughs> reverse parlay. That way you're protected. Honestly,
0: fade us, fade us. All, every single one of my picks is going down this week again. I can feel it. Um, all right, let's see here. Uh, some national games this week. Pulling up the schedule now. We got Maxion going on as we speak, so that's always Mm -hmm. fun. Um, Let's see. Obviously, Utah on Friday. Before that, though, Virginia Tech at Boston College. You know, it's something to watch. Um, You got Ohio State at Nebraska as an early game at 9 a.m. on Saturday. That's that, you know, potentially interesting. Um, I think it would be hilarious if after all this discussion about Ohio State and after their fans probably getting triggered right now on Twitter that they're below us, um, I think it would just be hilarious if they lost to Nebraska.
1: Yeah, I fully support them losing to Nebraska. I will be 1,000% rooting for Nebraska. I don't care that it makes Oregon's win look, look worse. I think Ducks just have to handle their business. And I don't like Ohio State. Never <laughs> have, Never, never will. Have. Don't uh. like their fans, uh, and also I'll say I think this spread is lower than the Penn State spread last week. So look, 15 isn't isn't uh, ridiculous. I think didn't I swear Ohio State lost a spread where they were uh, over two touchdown favorites. Oh,
0: somewhere they... in there, you know, they might have even lost a game as a two yeah. touchdown spread. I'm not sure, huh. uh, and that was at home if I remember correctly. They'll be. The yeah, and the, in- and the
1: other team didn't have their best player and Ohio State didn't lead for like a single second of that game.
0: Something like that. Something mm-hmm. also where like the other team was missing like a, a lot of key players and like a linebacker. <laughs> even. It's like a five star. So, uh, you know, they played a walk on though and he did fine. So um, yeah. we'll see what the Huskers can do. Uh, a really interesting one in the 9 a.m. slot. If you got one screen, I'm, it might be worth just having this one on as your first game. Uh, Wake Forest at North Carolina. That's number nine. Wake Forest, undefeated. Mm-hmm. Wake Forest as a two and a half point dog at North mm-hmm. Carolina. Mm-hmm. Spooky, spooky, spooky. Yep. Hundred percent. Yeah. Ohio State's on Fox. Yeah. If, you, um, if
1: it's kind of if you haven't gotten the chance to watch much Wake Forest, which admittedly do it. I haven't watched that much, uh, it, it'll be fun to watch. It'll definitely have a screen. Another big one in that 9 a.m. window that I think you got to have up on a screen, Liberty Ole Miss could be a big Mm. shootout. Ole Miss is running out of gas, and I forget who highlighted this game, but things get really funky with the SEC narrative if Ole Miss (laughs) loses this game to Liberty. And it's a a nine-and-a-half point spread, by the way. Like, Liberty can win this game, Uh, and – Ole Miss is Alabama's signature win right now. Uh, yeah. Ole Miss is booing Auburn as well. Uh, Ole Miss is an important team in the SEC landscape right now, and uh, they are running on fumes. They lost to Auburn last week, uh, and they're, they're kind of a shell of what they were early in the season. And if they come out flat, they lose to Liberty. That would be really funny. Uh,
0: this is supposed to be their late-season cupcake because uh, right. we were talking about that last week, how the SEC does that. Reed, uh no shame if you can't. Can you tell me who coaches Liberty? Q Freeze. <laughs> and uh, would would you be able to tell me why that is a significant name, especially in uh, the SEC, and in particular because, one Ole Miss?
1: Yeah, because he was the guy <laughs> who cheated so much at Ole Miss that they had a top-five class. <laughs> Signed, Robert also, Kimdiche.
0: <laughs> Robert Kemdiche, uh, otherwise known as the guy in like the, the waving gif when he's on the ground with mm-hmm. the ball. Um Hugh Free is also significant for, you know, calling prostitutes with the uh school <laughs> phone. Yeah. And yes, that is Liberty, the Christian school that he now coaches at. So mm-hmm. uh may are they Christian or are they something else?
1: I don't uh, know. There's something something like, Yeah, something like there's
0: that. There's something, that's for sure. Um no so, yeah, offense that's,
1: to any listeners. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, um, so that's that's big, big hashtag narrative there. That's really interesting stuff. Um, anything else in the nine a.m.? I don't I don't really see no. anything. Uh, I, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, maybe Minnesota trips up uh, ranked Minnesota against Illinois. Yeah, Who
1: knows? I I don't really even get why Minnesota's ranked to begin with. So
0: yeah. Um. All right, the midday slot. There's some interesting stuff going on here. We have Auburn at Texas A&M, and the chart I'm looking at hasn't updated their rankings, so I have to go remind myself what they are. That's 13 Auburn against 14 A&M. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting game. Yep. Um, again, I mean, if the SEC continues to beat themselves up, at what point do we throw our hands up and say, maybe there's just not a ton of good teams here? Like if Auburn and... If if like all these guys except... Uh, Bama and Georgia finish with like four losses, then yeah, does that still mean they're good, or does it just mean that they're not as good?
1: Well, it's it's funny, I just always hear people say, well, well, here's the thing, I mean, hypothetically, since they play each other, the 12 best teams in the country could all be in the SEC, and we wouldn't know, because they're beating each other. It's like, yeah, and then there's like the far more likely possibility that They're not.
0: By (laughs) a (laughs) wide (laughs) margin. By a wide, (laughs) wide margin.
1: Yeah, otherwise, uh, Oklahoma State at West Virginia, three-point spread. Baylor tested at TCU after Gary Patterson, icon at TCU. Gets the can. Um, Oklahoma State and Baylor are the two kind of outside looking in in the Big 12 who could make a run if they upset Oklahoma in their games late in the week and later in the, late in the season, I should say. Um, but they got to survive these, this one, both of them.
0: Yeah. We also got Penn state at Maryland, uh, mm-hmm. could be total collapse for James Franklin and, uh, Penn state. It seems, like it seems like he's got a foot out the door already there. So mm-hmm. just wanted to keep an eye on, um, also, I, I don't know what the spread maybe is on this, I, don't, but I assume it's like single digits or something.
1: I wouldn't go that far, but I, I get what you mean. There's a there's the a situation of, there for sure.
0: Uh, yeah, he's he's accepting a job somewhere else, more than likely at the end of this season. Um, uh, I I would say it's more than likely, man. With all the vacancies that are going to become open,
1: it's certainly a story. It's certainly a story.
0: I mean, Florida's probably going to maybe not probably maybe i'm getting ahead of myself but florida should be firing mullen like (laughs) lsu's already open USC's already open right there are a lot the the few usc connections i have are really milking the james franklin thing at usc so yeah i've I've heard that
1: as well Um, maybe at
0: notre dame maybe they find maybe notre dame finally gets knocked out michigan state at purdue obviously we've seen purdue do some pretty crazy things to uh Certain important, highly ranked Big Ten Mich- team earlier this season.
1: Michigan State, a three point favorite, man. That's pretty crazy. Oh, wow, that's narrow. Jeez. Um, elsewhere, uh, LSU Bama. I mean, you just look at the two logos, it gets you excited, but it's a 28 yeah. and a half point yeah, spread we're the for Bama. Clock now. Yeah. Um, Iowa at
0: Northwestern. Does Iowa completely collapse? Um, yeah. Although that's the same time as Oregon State, Colorado, so I don't know why you'd be, you be watching Con- that.
1: Kentucky, Tennessee. Kentucky's yep. a one-point favorite, and you know, one-point
0: favorite.
1: Yeah, wow. yeah. Maybe knock out another SEC-ranked team there. Uh, I think Fresno State, Boise State. Uh, if you don't have much going on, uh, well, I guess that's the same time as the Ducks game, <laughs> so never mind. Um, <laughs> but uh, hopefully, if you are a Ducks fan, you know you are going to be rooting for Fresno State the rest of the way because they keep winning. They're going to stay ranked. They could climb into the top twenty. and That's Great win for Oregon if, if they do that. So, yeah. It's not a great uh, week overall. I,
0: it, I don't know, man. There's a lot of good games. Uh, or, like, there will be a lot of good games. I can't yeah. exactly tell you which ones they are yet, but every weekend this happens. There will be a lot of good games.
1: Yeah, just, I think Florida that's... Florida at I, South
0: Carolina might be one of them as well.
1: I mostly just I mean games. the top, uh, like, Ohio State, Bama, and Georgia... Uh, Aren't being tested very much on paper. And Oklahoma True. has yeah. a bye.
0: Yeah, Georgia gets Mizzou, who is increasingly looking more like Vanderbilt than they do yeah. like anyone else in the East. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of all I want to point out. If you're looking for some late night football and USC Arizona State is grossing you out, check out UTSA, man. The Roadrunners are a good football team. They're undefeated. I know you've never heard of them. That's fine. You know, they're playing at UTEP, who's another solid, uh, group of five team. So it, that has a high chance of actually being as good quality of football as, uh, mm-hmm. Pac-12 After Dark. So, you well, know, obviously t- you, you got to support my man, George Kleavkov and, you know, have it on the screen, but like, if you're getting bored, just, you know. When you I was the
1: forecasting I the rankings beforehand, uh, and then they're coming out, I was so sure... I saw Ole Miss 16. I was like, oh, man, I know Locke, who 14 of these final 15 teams are. Haven't seen UTSA yet. Yet, let's go Roadrunners, number 15. And then BYU pops up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, God, that's disappointing. Um, somebody on Twitter was doing like a um, a sarcastic like top four, and they had BYU as the last one, and they were like, Look at their two losses. Like, it was to Baylor, uh, basketball champion, Blue Blood, uh, <laughs> and then the other one that I can't even remember. And I just you know, lost the joke, but it's whatever. Uh, who was their other loss to? Seriously.
1: Um, let me let me try to pull this up real quick.
0: I have it right in front of me, too, and I can't even remember. Oh, Boise yeah. State. Oh, oh please. Right, Come right. on. On the blue field. Um, so, yeah uh all right man anything else you got to say about this weekend i just i i know not there's not a ton of like good quote-unquote good top 10 matchups but somebody's gonna fall it happens every week somebody's gonna fall
1: oh yeah i mean even even when i say it's not a good slate no i'm i'm watching football from 11 a.m my time until i go to bed so it's always good enough for me to
0: tulsa anyone i'll
1: take it i'll take it yeah I hope Cincy gets in. Honestly, I think it'd be good for the sport if they did. But I don't. I don't. I also don't think that they would have a gripe that they should be ranked higher. But I, uh, they I would hope. definitely
0: be four if they got in. Yeah, even if they were dominant the rest of the yeah. way. Yeah,
1: but I'd be I'd be happy if some other things fall. You get a little Georgia Cincy, a little Oregon versus uh, who do we want? Sparty or something? Sparty. I take Sparty. I'll take Sparty. Dude, I'll that take would be Sparty. An awesome playoffs. Yeah. yeah, I'll take that. Let's do that. Uh,
0: And then my Oregon-Georgia natty can come true. Boom. Um, Yeah, there you go. All right, man. Solid episode. Please uh, follow us on Twitter at DucksPod. You can find both of our handles there as well. Um, Please rate us five stars if you have the capability to do so. If you already have, steal a loved one's phone and do the same. Um, (laughs) And honestly, like just just word of mouth like talking to people you know hey do you know good ducks pod yeah check out at ducks pod boom there you go it's that easy uh so yeah you got anything to say before we go out the door
1: no i think we i think we handled it uh i'm sure we all hope the next time we speak that ducks will have made it uh a good performance in seattle i won't say any more than that but (laughs)
0: let's get three in a row baby rebuild the street. (laughs)
1: Um, All right, man. Yeah. Oh, also, also, if you're a
0: Duck fan and you're in Seattle uh, and you, you know, have a tailgate or something, hit me up. Uh, I'll be wandering around for a while before the game starts. So uh, I'd love to meet some listeners. Or if you're not a listener and you just know somebody, like, I want to meet as many Duck fans as I can. I love that shit. Uh, I'll be, you know, behind enemy lines. You got to make as many friends as you can. So
1: hopefully it's packed with Ducks fans, man. Dude, I'm telling uh... you
0: even from the sample size that I've had of just asking students and talking to other students about it for weeks now, like there's going to be a lot of Ducks fans there more than people think.
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah, It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: All right. Thanks y'all. Go Ducks.
1: Go Ducks.